Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us a chance to check out some of the recent guests who've appeared on JM in the AM. We start this week with Beth Chesser. Beth is Assistant Director for Admissions and External Affairs at the Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. Beth Chesser, first up on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, those of you who are regular listeners of this show, you know that uh, over the last year we've become very big fans of the Ben Gurion University of the Negev Medical School for International Health. And uh, Beth Chester is with us live via telephone because they have uh, they have embarked on a bunch of information sessions that are taking place in Canada, Israel, and uh, here in this area uh, to let more and more people know about the benefits of studying at the Medical School for International Health at Ben-Gurion University of the Negev. Beth Chester is the Assistant Director for Admissions and External Affairs at the Medical School. Beth, I say Shana Tavat to you, and I say welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nakam. Shana Tavat to you and to everybody as well. Uh, you made quite an impression on us. When I say you, I mean the... Uh, uh, you and the personnel of the uh, medical school when you joined us in Israel. And uh, uh, I think up until that point, for a lot of people, it was a well-kept secret. And now more and more people are learning the benefits of having uh, their children or they themselves uh, go and attend the Medical School for International Health in Israel. Are you getting the feeling that more and more people are understanding just how key an institution it is? 100%. There has been a huge spike in interest in the school, as well as the caliber of applicants that we're getting. Uh, I think it's primarily due to the fact that, as you said, we've been this hidden secret. And we offer students really, it's a win-win situation because Students who attend our program, they have a unique education of introducing global health into all four years, which is so necessary for a physician to know about in today's world. And our students have the option of practicing basically anywhere in the world, which is very unique to our school. You could either go on and practice in the United States, you could go on and practice in Israel, or you can go to Australia. And and as we learned when we were with you guys in Israel... Uh, not only can you go to some interesting places, you could do some interesting things. You could, you, could, you, could do, you, could, you could do a lot of things medically that you know would be in the norm, so to speak, for a uh, for a community that needs to be served medically. But then there are some very interesting projects and special situations that your graduates get involved with as well around the globe. So you know when when they say that the uh, you know the opportunities are endless when it comes to your school, that's the way it is. One hundred percent. Our students are just prepared for any scenario. I think it's primarily because the education um, requirements and regulations are different in Israel as opposed to in the United States. Our students get a lot more hands-on experience early on in their education. And then in the fourth year, when we have our eight-week clerkships around the world, students actually get to implement everything they have learned in a classroom before they've even graduated. So they then go on to, and to become leaders in the world of in the field of medicine. And, and not to insult your colleagues, because you know many of them are amazing medical institutions and medical educational institutions. Uh, but but a lot of them, including ones in the U.S., simply can't provide that opportunity. They can't provide a program like the eight weeks that you just described. 
No, we're uniquely positioned to be able to do this. The school is now over 20 years old, and when the school was founded, they recognized there was a a lacking in the, the education of medical students, and we just moved in and took care of that. And now that we are firmly established, we can expand it beyond our of our wildest dreams in uh, in terms of the education as well as our the things our alumni are doing. Yeah, Beth Chester's with us, assistant director for admissions and external affairs for the Medical School for International Health, Ben Gurion University of the Negev. All right, now I'm going to go through the list in a minute of the different events that we've been made aware of for uh, Canada, the U.S., etc. Um, th- who are we speaking to this morning? It's now October. Who are we speaking to? Are we speaking to prospective medical students? Are we speaking to those who might be already in medical school? Are we speaking to parents and others in their community who should be encouraging them to check out this unique institution in Israel? Who's on the other end of this discussion? This discussion is for people to learn more of the program. So people who are already involved in a medical school are not really relevant. We do not accept transfer students to the programs. But this is to guide people who are interested in attending medical school or their children or grandchildren even. I've had grandparents call right. me. Um, but it's, it's for them to learn what are the requirements of the school, what are the things that our school has to offer that are unique. Um, that's really to, who we need to attract at these, in, these sessions. So these, are, these, say, so these are students what are my requirements? These are students who are about to graduate college or, or, or have an interest in medicine um, and they're in the middle of their college education? Typically, um, by the time you, you get certain different types, the ones who have come to these sessions later, right when they're ready to graduate, they've been guided typically by their pre-health advisors, and they know the courses they need. The, our requirements are pretty standard in terms of coursework and MCAT, but the ones that come earlier, many come as freshmen, their first year in college, uh, and they say, oh my gosh, what coursework do I need? Now I, I need got it. chemistry and so forth. Well, now I got it. Okay, now I got it. Now I understand what's going on. And now I understand for whom uh, uh, this program is perfect. Um, All right, so here's what we're going to do, everybody. Let me make you aware of some of the things we've been told about these um, uh, information sessions that are going to be going on. First of all, if you're in Canada, on Monday, October the 28th, which is this coming Monday, they're doing one on Finch Avenue West up in Toronto. Um, You can go to their uh, website, uh, which we'll give you in a minute uh, for more information about it. On Monday, November the 4th, which is the following week, They're going to be on Queen Mary Road in Montreal, Quebec. So there's two. If you're interested in studying medicine and global health in Israel, there are two opportunities in Canada for these informational sessions for the Medical School for International Health, Monday, October 28th, and Monday, November 4th, the 28th in Toronto, the 4th of November in Montreal. If you're in Israel or if you know somebody who's a student now in Israel, could be post-high school student who's interested, uh, could be, as as Beth uh, mentioned, somebody who's just starting their college career, Uh, On Sunday, October the 27th, which is this coming Sunday, starting at 6.30, they'll be at the ZOA house in Tel Aviv on Rehov Daniel Frisch. Um, And again, you'll have an opportunity to speak to um, uh, members of the admissions team, plus some of the alums, uh, about studying medicine and global health in Israel in English. And finally, uh, and this, of course, for our audience, since we're speaking to the majority of people in our audience in the New York area, on Wednesday, November the 13th, if you're interested in studying medicine and global health in Israel, join the information session to learn more about the program and speak with members of your admissions team, plus Dr. Leslie Gonzit, an alum and, ho- and hospitalist at the Alaska Hospitalist Group. It's happening Wednesday, November the 13th, beginning at 6.30 p.m. 
at 1001 Avenue of the Americas in New York City. Um, they'll talk about fourth-year electives and clerkships at highly selective medical centers in the U.S. and Canada, including Columbia. They'll talk about the eight-week eight week global health clerkships and sites around the world. Uh, they'll talk about graduates who have completed residency in the U.S., Canada, and Israel. And, of course, they will uh, remind everybody that the program is taught completely in English. That's November the 13th. Now, Beth Chester, what's the best website for people to check out all these informational sessions and go- get more information? I'll give you the website. We also missed one other. We added Ooh. an information session in Los Angeles Ooh, okay, as good. well. All right. When's that? What uh, date is that? That's going to be on November 11th. The information is on our website, which I will give you. And I want to add also, we yeah. get students, and these information sessions are also relevant for graduates, people who have already graduated college, and then they decide to say, you know what? Now I want to go to med school. What do I need to do? Got so. It. They're really for everybody. The website that has everything is msih.bgu.ac.il. And on there, you will find links for all these sessions and just find, follow those links and sign up, and then you're good to go. All right. MSIH is obviously Medical School for International Health. BGU is obviously Ben Gurion University. Here's the website that you want. Uh, give this to, uh, as Beth described, to the graduates, to the first-year students, to the high schoolers, anybody who's interested in pursuing medicine and doing it in this unique environment in Israel, msih.bgu.ac.il. Again, msih.bgu.ac.il. And, um, People are also welcome to call our office in New York if they want to follow up with questions. Um, I'm not going to be there till next week, but there's other staff that can help you. Is that the um, uh, 995 number? Yes, it is. 212-995-1231. You could actually call New York and uh, get someone here locally to discuss um, uh, the information sessions and the school with you. 212-995-1231. 212-995-1231. One, two, three, one. It's a medical school for international health at Ben Gurion University of the Negev, as we said. L.A. on the 11th of November, New York on the 13th of November. One coming up this weekend in Toronto, next weekend, in, in, well, actually Monday in Toronto, and then the following Monday in Montreal. And, of course, the Israel one is this coming Sunday at the ZOA House in Tel Aviv, beginning at 6.30 p.m. Beth Chesser, anything you'd like to add? No, I just want to thank you for sharing this information, and I want to encourage everybody just to explore the opportunity. We really take a holistic approach at looking at all our applicants, so it's not that we have a cutoff, um, but we we maintain high academic standards, so obviously that's critical, but sometimes experience comes in too, so we yep. really look at every applicant as a person as we hope that each of our graduates will then go on to go on to treat the patient and not necessarily the disease. Excellent. All right, you know how many old friends I have in your wonderful school. Send them all my best. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely will. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you, Beth. A pleasure. Beth Chester, Medical School for International Health, Ben Gurion University. Information, you call them at 212-995-1231. That was my conversation with Beth Chester, Assistant Director for Admissions and External Affairs at the Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. Next up on JM Rewind is David Cutler. David, of course, leads all NCSY summer programs. And believe it or not, they are filling up quickly. NCSY summer is the topic. David Cutler's the guest on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. 
Well, it's hard to believe that it's important to talk about NCSY's summer programs in the month of October, but if you want to save some money and make sure you get in, it is important to discuss it in the month of October. Seriously. Uh, go to summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org, and why we're discussing it now will be evident uh, through our conversation with David Cutler. David Cutler, of course, is the director of the NCSY summer programs. And on this October to th- uh, October to 25th, he's encouraging everybody to sign up and take advantage of the early bird specials, etc., etc. David Cutler, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thanks for having me. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Hard to believe that it's important to discuss NCSY summer in the month of October, huh? Uh, for me, no. Because for <laughs> us, uh, this is literally the uh, this is the height of recruitment season. So uh, it is weird to think about that. Really, we're, we're just getting by winter, you know, by the summer, and we feels like we just finished our past summer, but we're we're open for summer 2020. We're ready to go. The recruitment season for some of these programs is going to be a very short season, right? It really is. We do we do have a couple programs that will literally be full in the next two weeks. Uh, most of our programs aren't going fill up that quickly, but certainly in the next you know two to four weeks, uh, you know, for certain programs, you really got to decide where you want to go. And you are conjecturing that a significant percentage of the NCSY summer participants will already be registered by the end of this month, by the end of October. Yeah, we have uh, look. A lot of people really know where they want to go already, and uh, so the ones who are really clear, you know, they sign up really early. Thank God, which is you know good for my uh, my heart rate. So. Any <laughs> any early bird special that applies to any program will expire on October the thirty first. Yeah, October the thirty first is our our super early bird special. That again, so uh, next Thursday uh, is our early bird special. You save either a hundred or two hundred dollars depending on on when you sign up and so on and so forth. But it's uh, and we got we have a really nice spike that goes on people if you know you're going on the program why not why not save a couple bucks all right summer.ncsy.org you can take advantage of the early bird now at summer.ncsy.org there are 22 programs for this upcoming summer you know david cutler many people would have said that 19 or 20 was sufficient why 22 well, we really, we really, again, we're, we're very Baruch Hashem, very, very grateful for uh, for the impact that we're having on the Jewish community. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there are so many different types of kids out there. Uh, there are kids that like to learn. There are kids that want to go to Israel and, and and you know really like to just travel the land. And there are some kids who prefer to stay here, you know, domestically and do a, and have a, our, our performing arts program or something else. So we're very diverse. We have so many different offerings for all different ages and all different backgrounds. Uh, so we're at 22 this summer and. Uh, you know, we, we were close to being 24 programs this summer, so we're, we're working on a lot more as we, as we speak. A lot of us find it surprising that public school kids in the United States want to actually spend their summer uh, in, in, in Israel and, uh, in, and a Torah environment, some on different levels, but it's certainly a Torah environment as well. And yet, you continue to add buses of public school youth to the NCSY summer programs. Yeah, it's one of the things we're really most excited about. A number of years ago, you know, we were literally at uh, 65, 70 public school kids. Uh, and by public school kids, we're really saying unaffiliated, you know, Jewish teens from really all over the country and Canada who have very little or no educational background, who've never either kept a Shabbos, certainly most of them never been to Israel. Uh, this past summer, we had close to 700 of them. Uh, you know, again, from all over the country, for all, for all, from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life. And uh, we're continuing to add to that program. Um, it's through our regions around the country. Um, we even have we even have a program called Yeshiva TJJ Israel, uh, which is literally a learning program 
uh, for kids in public school who went on TJJ, our, our Jerusalem journey, our, our first year uh, public school program for kids to, who were just exposed to, you know, literally to Judaism and to Israel for the first time and to Shabbos. And their second year program is a program where they're literally learning in the morning uh, and then activities, uh, different activities in Tulim and traveling the country in the afternoon and the evening, but literally based Smedrish style learning for kids who've really just become uh, integrated and exposed to Judaism and love the learning and uh, it's, it's very exciting that we're adding it's a brand new program for this summer for public school kids. So regular TJJ would not have a, a block of Torah study time like they have in the uh, in the Shivat TJJ program. No, they have they have their chaburas and they have the, you know they learn about the state, the state of Israel and they have different. Uh, they're also they have a uh, TJJ has a curriculum that they learn about over the four weeks that starts with you know belief in God and, and Israel and connecting to Judaism and and so many different other topics that are available to them. Uh, but this is real textual. Uh, you know, learning and learning with Rebbeim. We have our Mordechai Burr from Mavasarik, God willing, is going to be learning with them in the mornings, and we have other Rebbeim and other educators that will be learning with them. Uh, it's like it's kids who've come back and who are involved. They come back from TJJ, and they actually have a program. This is a program that was started by our Southern Florida uh, region, the, the, and, and they have kids that come every single week and to a base matters-type program and have learning. Um, and they're expanding it to a program that's a follow-up program in Israel, which is really unbelievable. Unreal. David Cutler's with us. He directs the NCSY Summer Program, summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org. Early bird specials will expire on October the 31st. They're anticipating hundreds of people registering by the end of this month. So if you have a, a child that you'd like to send to a pretty popular program, get to it, everybody. You want to make sure to take care of it as soon as possible. Tell us about the Yalde R a boys leadership program that's new for this year. So we're partnering with uh, with Mig Dalor and Rob Grossman, who I'm sure most people are familiar with. He's uh, he's pretty awesome uh, in Israel. What they do is incredible. So there are these boys who really grew up in Haredi homes, uh, and then for whatever reason they really didn't fit in uh, in their homes anymore, and they they kind of uh, we would say went off the derech a little bit. And they started this school in, in, in a campus called Kfar Zoharim uh, with Reb Grossman and Mig Dalor. And uh, we are working with that population. We're bringing in a bunch of uh, American teenage boys uh, to work with that. They literally they, they spend the day with them learning, woodworking, um, doing all sorts of activities, you know, on the campus and off the campus. But we're, we're, we're learning with these boys and, and spending time with them. They literally build, you know, build things around the campus. I, I, I toured the campus this past summer, and they showed me that, oh, the boys built this. And the boys built that, and they're, they have, they literally build things around the campus, uh, including places if, if people if things have to be fixed, you know, in the places that they build. These boys sit there with the Israeli boys, and they and they fix it together. It's an it's an incredible opportunity, uh, and we're very proud to partner with Rob Grossman and Migdalor. Oh, that's really cool. Works out really nicely. Boy, oh boy, how are you doing on staff? Is this the time of year where you start to worry that it's going to be difficult to fill certain positions? So we we already opened our staff applications the day we we opened up the day after Labor Day. So staff applications have been open already for a month, a month and a half actually. Uh, and look, as we got bigger, you know, we we definitely uh, we definitely need great people. So Baruch Hashem, we uh, you know we we do get the staff that we need, but we really are always looking for good people. And uh, it's uh, that that's the the key to our success. The reason we're successful with the help of God is literally our staff members, the directors, the assistant directors, and the staff members that they bring on board, most of whom are volunteers, which is what you think about it, is an incredible thing. Most people are spending their summers without sleep, uh, working like, you know, working really closely and really hard with, with these teenagers, 
uh, as volunteers. They get a, a little bit of tips, uh, but they, they are literally the, the number one key to our success. The time that they, that they put in and the bonding that takes place and the lifelong relationships that are formed uh, from the summer is all because of the incredible staff that we have, starting from the directors all, all, you know, all the way down. Yeah, no, that's for sure. They are the ones on the front line and doing a great job in all these programs. Uh, the programs are filling up fast, everybody. Uh, email for any information, summer at ncsy.org. That's summer at ncsy.org. For information on the web, it's summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org. The early bird expires October the 31st. The programs are filling up quickly. They're up to 22 programs already for this upcoming summer of 2020. Uh, if you want a space, a public school program, yeshiva program, whatever it is, you want a space, you want to make sure to take care of it. Now, two more quick things, David Cutler. I, I had mentioned this to you off the air, but I'm going to mention it on the air. Uh, NCSY Summer 2020 put together an amazing program guide. I know it's been included in a whole bunch of newspapers, and it's available, I'm sure, uh, in other venues as well, uh, that describes every single program with the dates, with the staff members, great photos, etc., um, and uh, I, I just think it really sums up the variety of programs that you have and all the different kids from around the U.S. Uh, that you're attracting. So a big yeshikach on that. It was, a, it was a piece that really gave people like myself and others a comprehensive look at what the programs are all about. Yeah, thank you. That's what we're really so proud of. We're so proud of the fact that no matter what your your teenager is like, we, now we even have programs again for for boys and girls in seventh and eighth grade. We have uh, the performing arts girl a program for girls already starting coming out of uh, third grade. Uh, so we're really expanding our horizons, and we're we're very proud of the impact that we're having uh, on the Jewish community. And we encourage the, the summer is such a transformative experience, such an, a critical time. The one, one message I, I would give to anybody listening is that the summer is such a critical time for kids to develop and to continue whatever they're building on during the year and uh you know which is excellent for my job security and people who work in summer programs in general um but it really is a very transformative experience it's become like just critical you know schools do an incredible job obviously for the 10 months but that can all be you know for naught uh, or and really totally wiped away if you spend the play, the wrong you know in, in the wrong place for the summer and a productive growth filled experience where you're connecting to your Judaism in such different ways whether it's again whether it's in Israel or Poland or or Baltimore or the Poconos you know with our staff it's uh, it's just critical to spend the summer in, in a transformative growth filled way and uh you know, we're very proud of the fact that our 22 programs are accomplishing that. And finally, if you're a supporter or parent or anybody of interest who wants to be with NCSY during the summer, we recommend you go to Yom NCSY to see the incredible night that they put together when all the programs are together. And David and his staff will welcome you. Just make sure to speak to them at some point as you make your uh, your plans to be in Israel for the summer of 2020. August the 3rd will be Yom NCSY. And again, if you want to see something spectacular and be part of something really cool, uh, keep that in mind as you make your summer plans. Yeah, we, we encourage everybody this year, the way Tisha B'Av falls out, as everyone hopefully knows, we have a beautiful Kumsitz uh, at the Kotel on it was, it was supposed to be Thursday, July 30th, and then Shabbos Nachum we're going to have an incredible Shabbos at the Kotel. Friday night we're taking over the Kotel early Shabbos, and we, are, we have Slomo Katz Davin, we're going to have a thousand people Davin Kabbalah Shabbos with us Friday night at the Kotel. Uh, and then Monday night is August 3rd, and we, we are, we're finalizing the, you know, the, the talent and the uh, we have an incredible lineup for that night, but we're encouraging people, if you're in Israel for the summer or you want to come spend a little time with us and be inspired and see what we do, you know, that week of, of Tisha B'Av and, uh, and uh, Shabbos Nachamu and, and Yom NCSY would be a great
great time to join us and hang out with us a little bit. Check it all out, everybody. Summer.ncsy.org. Summer.ncsy.org. And don't forget the urgency for this week because the early bird specials will wrap up in October the 31st. David Cutler, we thank you. Continued success as uh, you continue to move forward toward the summer of 2020. Amen. Thank you, Nachum, for having me. We appreciate it. We always appreciate talking to you and your partnership, and uh, wish you and everybody a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you so much. Shabbat Shalom to you. David Cutler, he uh, directs Summer NCSY programs, and again, the website, summer.ncsy.org. That was my conversation with David Cutler, director of the NCSY Summer Programs. Rabbi David Heber joins us um, every once in a while to discuss calendaric trivia. Now that the year 5780 has begun, we thought it would be a good time to speak to Rabbi Heber and find out how unique this year is. Rabbi David Heber, our next guest on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Rabbi David Heber is the Kashrus Administrator at the Star K. He's also the rabbi of congregation Kahal Avas Yisrael Tzemach Tzedek down in Maryland. For us, though, he is our um, calendaric trivia expert. And every year we get a chance to, um, I mean, sometimes even more than once a year, uh, but certainly toward the beginning of the brand new year, we get a chance to speak to Rabbi Heber and just get some tidbits about what to expect in this case in the year 5780. Rabbi David Heber, Shana Tova, and welcome back to JM in the AM. You too, you too, to you and your listeners. I go to your and Shana Tova. I hope everybody's Yontif was was very nice. Hashem here was beautiful. Yeah, everybody's Tishrei has been incredible. I We feel a little bad for you, Rabbi Heber, because we're about to pepper you with questions like you can't imagine. Oh, no. <laughs> I came prepared with some really interesting I know, stuff. In, so. <laughs> in, in, all fa- in all fairness to Rabbi Heber, uh, he's always made it known that he'd prefer not to be surprised by any questions, and we've never adhered to that regulation. So. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, is your is your synagogue Geshem or Goshem for Mashivaruach uh, that's a good, Officially Goshem. It is officially Goshem. Goshem. Some people, the sitter, the, a lot of Siddurim say Geshem. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's changed. Officially, it's, it's Gushim. I don't know why. I, I I think growing up, I was taught that if you're going to be grammatically correct, it has to be Geshem. Uh, I, I don't know. I could, I could be wrong about that. But uh, I know that our custom, both in my family and where I where I dive in, it's Gushim, uh, which I always thought was a, you know, was not, was not, you know, like had seeped into the Nusach and, and should not have. But I guess, I guess that's not correct, right? Either, either yeah, one. I'm, we, not, I'm not such a dick to right. maybe, but I know. I mean, when we grew up, I think the Sidura, most of them right. had Gashem. I believe the article, sir, I believe shows Gashem. The Aaron Kodesh, the Holy Ark, is open or closed during your hakafas in your synagogue? Open. Yeah. Am I right that it's, of course it's supposed to be. I, where I was, they closed it. And I and I, I said to myself, really interesting. I didn't want to cause any trouble. You know me, Rabbi Heber. And, of course. And I, yeah. and, I, and I said to myself, of course the Aaron Kodesh stays open during hakafas. It stays open until you start putting... Sifrei Torah back before you lane, right? I exactly. Just, In fact, there's a minig of putting right candle. We don't right. do it, but I've seen such a minig. That that the concept of such a minig right. is indicative. That exactly, to be, exactly. To open. When I saw the machzor, that's what I said to everybody. I said this this, this custom that you're supposed to put a candle. I think some people put a chumash in there, by the way, just to make sure that the Aron Kodesh is not empty and they may not have a candle at the ready. So I've seen people put a chumash in the uh, in the Aron Kodesh um, during hakafas. Uh, but yeah, just the yeah. fact that that minig exists tells us that the that the iron coders is supposed to be open during. Our Plus, coffee. there's no mechanism to close it, right? Because 
because it's Yizuvahim Sa'arain. Right. Open the Aaron, and then it stays open. And and essentially, again, there's no Brich Shmei there, but essentially you're you're keeping it open until until Godlu, until all these Sivrei Torah that you're not using right, are away. Right, so right, exactly. Or right. Shmei Yisrael, rather. Right, Shmei Yisrael, rather. Sorry about that. Rabbi David Heber is with us. Um, how long are your hakafas? Traditionally, each hakafa will be about how many minutes? Well, that's, it depends who you ask. But well, we started. Let's see. We actually this year we were we we you know we planned ahead. Right. Uh, we we actually have a beautiful minute. We've already got to the time, which is uh, we we have next door to us uh, an Iranian kahila. Wow. And uh, it's been um, Ora Mizrach, beautiful right. kahila. Rabbi, Rabbi Arya is the Rav. They're good neighbors. Every year, right? there's, there's a beautiful scene. Every year we we go to their shul, and uh, and it was also there was a period where they come also to us uh, on the day. This year we just we just went to them at night, and it's just beautiful. We're there probably for 25 minutes, so we start with. Uh, um, uh, it's just beautiful, just so beautiful. People are so inspired by it. We start with a carpus Ureinu. Wow! And then we sing some Svarim Nagunim, and I uh, that's when I. I'm still getting it, but I I am able to <laughs> sing some of the lines properly. Um, and then we did Adesar Muna, it was the fifth Hakafa. Wow. And then we do we do Achenu, we all do Achenu, and Animamin, and Lashon Haba. Beautiful. It's, really just, it's, it's just a beautiful scene. And, and, it's very, very and, I, and I'm not being funny, I'm being serious. Is is their Hakafa service similar or identical to ours, or are there a lot of differences, or you're not sure? I'm not sure. Sure, I mean they they do sing, and I, mean, I I I saw their sitter. I, it seems like the statement, the lines are different, right? But they're, they're, the dancing is very similar, and very much the same. Our compass went um, by day. We ours was about ten till twelve, so it was about two hours by day. Wow, that's and by night. Long. I think by night I think it was about two and a quarter. Um, we finished davening ten forty five. We started. Well, we started compass about eight fifteen. Was Atar Reisa. We finished laning time. We started at ten fifty, about about two hours, a little more than two hours. Oh, two they, hours they, they like the party down there in Baltimore. It, it was seems. lovely. Yeah, it was great. It was good. Um, it was the, yeah. How do you determine in your synagogue who the Chassan Torah is? The Chassan Torah goes to the rabbi. That was the minig of our founding rabbi, or of Feldman. What do you do with Chassan Brachus? Chassan Brachus, we auction. We auction all the uh, elias and uh, Chassan Brachus. So we have everyone's welcome to come to the Chassan Torah. The Barashas Kiddush, the Shabbos. So the rabbi participates in sponsoring the Kiddush? Uh, yes. Mm, rabbi, totally. rabbi Heber, what's on the menu? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's get to the important stuff. What do you serve? It depends on the year. I don't know. I, I, I sponsor it sometimes. Yeah, don't worry. We'll take care of it. will take care of it. Depends on the year. Haven't, we haven't sat down and recognized this year yet. But okay, we'll figure it out. <laughs> you, you pray that Chassan Barashas go goes to somebody who really likes preparing a big Kiddush. <laughs> Uh, so we started the year with a uh, with a. I mean, look, you know, the question is, what's a good calendar? What's not a good calendar? Essentially, it depends who you ask. Uh, if you ask the college students out there who have, you know, who are lucky enough to be in a Jewish environment, they're pretty happy with the way this whole year started because they have the entire month of October off. Essentially, uh, you speak to people who are in the workforce or are going to Ivy League schools. And they're not happy because everything is Tuesday and Wednesday. Excuse me, is Monday and Tuesday, and that can be very difficult, especially as you plan your classes 
uh, you know, at the beginning of the year or, or during registration. So it depends who you ask in terms Absolutely. of what, in terms of whether this is a good setup or not. I can tell you before we talk about five seven eight zero and Rabbi Heber, I'm sure you'll confirm this for us. We have some good news heading down the road, and that is one year from now, all the Yom Tovim except for Yom Kippur, of course, will be on Shabbos Sunday. That's correct. So that really next year, if you look at the whole of Tuf Shabbat fifty seven eighty, is a change that that. Actually, some interesting halachas that will have to be hazard and reviewed because we haven't had them in 10 years. Wow. For the last 10 years, including including this year, this is the 10th year in a row. First of all, it was the 10th year in a row, and I made sure my Baltikan knew this, with the one who blew the shifer. This was the 10th year in a row that we blew shifer on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. It has not been without, Shabbos Without that interruption. Long? That has wow. not happened since before the American Revolution. Wow. Where we had ten years in a row of, of course, on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the obligation is, is midaraisa, which means it's it's Torah prescribed, right. and uh, the second day is is you know sort of yotav shady. We're not getting into all the right. all of that, but the first day we blow, it's certainly it's certainly you know minatayra from the Torah, and again since 2010 through this year, we have blown Shifer on Shabbos. And we took also Lulav. No, 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 not on Shabbos. We, we, I'm sorry, not on Shabbos. I'm sorry, blue Shifer, not on Shabbos. A weekday, excuse right. me. We blew, uh, it was a week. It was not on Shabbos. Right. And and Sukkot, and also on the first day of Sukkot, we took Lulav and Esrig. Right. As well on weekdays, ten years in a row. The last time we could say a tenth year, but we did that was 1772. Wow. The tenth year that wow. we had that. So it was very, very. Special. And those um, and those are the years that a lot of Israelis shop for Lulav and Esrog on Saturday night, uh, er of the second day of Sukkot, and they they have not been able to do that for ten years. I guess I guess so. Yeah, I've, I've never been, I was at saw Sukkot, but not when it was. Uh, right. I don't remember what day it was. I don't think it was a Shabbos. No. Right. So that that's a very very much of interest, and the whole format. It, it, the last ten years also, you know, between Pesach and Rosh and and Sukkot and Sukkot Taira. All the days of the week could fall out of four days of the week and not on three days of the week. Right. Right. And that's a function of Le'adu Reish. More right. about that in a moment. Right. right. Which means Rosh Hashanah can't be a Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. Right. So, so the last 10 years, Pesach has been Shabbos or Tuesday. Rosh Hashanah has begun on Monday or Thursday, which right. means the entire, which means if your birthday is between, you know, other and Cheshvan, your birthday will could fall on four days, not on three days, and but the, the last ten years it's only been on two days. Right. So that means just just to illustrate what's what what we'll have this coming year. In fact, will be different, and now we'll have things that we never had. So Purim, first of all, will be on a Tuesday, which is um, you know hasn't happened. Pesach is going to be on Thursday, Friday. So we'll have we'll have a um, three day yontif. Uh, we'll have we'll have three day yontif, and we'll have heirs of Shilin. Right. Um, the last time we had that was was 2009, which was actually your your listeners and we spoke a lot about this back then with Birch Sachama. Right. Sachama was on that Wednesday of Pesach. Right. That's how long ago we had this. Okay, now housewives, listen carefully. The last day of Pesach is on a Thursday, right? The first time in ten years, right? Will there be challah that next Shabbos or not? Oh, there will. My wife, my wife uh, got that going to roll it right out Friday. She she typically bakes uh, in advance, but. Uh, you know that uh, challah, right? You have right, to, of So you don't have a whole lot of time. That is very, you know, difficult to turn around your kitchen and make Shabbos. Right. Was um, I was I deprived growing up, Rabbi Heber? Because I remember in that situation, we'd always have matzah that Shabbos. Was I deprived? What would you say? 
I guess so. I remember when I grew up one year in day school, we had school on that Friday. No. Like, the day after yes. Pesach? Yes. One one year. I remember that uh, when wow. I grew up. We had, of course, no school Pesach, but Pesach was over. We started school. Wow. That, that, I, I think the next year after that, or one of the years later, they, they, they fixed that. Okay, then you have Shavuos is going to be on Friday Shabbos. Which is always right? great. Yeah. It's, is, it's, two day, it's two days for everybody in the world. Tishrei, two days, exactly, right? Two days. Again, we'll have the, we'll the Parshas off, right. which means Chukas and Balak are going to be together right. for the first time in 10 years. Then we have Tishrei on a Thursday. That has some halachas that you're allowed to um, do certain things. You normally wait till Chatzais on Friday. Ah. Oh, you know, excuse me, normally wait till Chatzais on Yud Av, right. but that'll be scaled back. You know, right. we'll be able to, for example, um, at Nate do things on Friday morning, um, getting ready for Shabbos, right. uh, let's say haircut Friday morning, etc. And then again comes Rosh Hashanah, and Rosh Hashanah Sukkot and Shemini Atzeret will be on Shabbos Sunday, right. which is uh, again for those working much it'll be better nice because they won't have to take they won't have to take off. And you'll have the full well, week the full week before Shabbos Brachos, which is always nice. It doesn't feel like you're running right into the year, so that's also a. Uh, a better feeling. Right, and you have a full Cholomite. Get right. the Cholomite, you'll have a whole Cholomite yeah. circus, really, Mon- Monday through... Through Friday, Monday if you count Hashanah Rabba, yeah. Hashanah yeah. Rabba yeah, will be on time. Friday. Um, exactly. Rabbi David Heber's with us. Uh, the, 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 I don't want to say bad news, but the... <laughs> the depends who you ask, right? <laughs> depends who you yes, yeah, yeah. ask. Because, not because of, but but what we have to look forward to after 5780... Um, you you get this amazing Shabbos Sunday in five seven eight one in Tishrei, but as you know, Rabbi Heber, whatever that happens, there's always some type of booby prize <laughs> toward the end of the year, and the yeah. booby prize in five seven eight one will be two things. Number one, you're going to have erev Pesach on Shabbos, which is right. which is something that that the, my my the, the child I have who's about fourteen years old right now. I don't even right. think he realizes you can have an Arab pace. I remember when it first happened when I was a kid. I didn't realize it. Seventy four, right? Seventy four, because it had it not been twenty it, years, right? It was fifty four to seventy four. So when right. it happened in nineteen seventy four, I didn't even realize that it could happen that Arab pace could be on Shabbos. And you really right. have, and, and you're scrambled. And even though you're eating possibly some challah in the morning, you're still having a nine day Pesach essentially menu wise. Um, Correct. Also, nerve wracking. It's nerve-wracking, but right. on the other hand, you come to the Seder well-rested. That's true. That's true. Right, as, right. as opposed to only being well-rested at the second Seder, you're well-rested for both stars. <laughs> right, exactly, right. And, and the other booby prize, of course, is that I believe Shavuos would be a three-day yuntif, right? Shabbos, Sunday, Monday. No, that is... It would not be? No, no, it's going to be... It's going to be... Am I wrong? Pesach is, it's Monday, Tuesday. Arab Pesach is on a Sunday. Oh, year. so Shavuos would be Sunday night, right? Shavuos would be but Sunday Purim night. is a Friday, right? Twenty twenty one, right? Purim, Purim would be a Friday, right? But the bonus, let's make a let's make a expedition to Eretz Yisrael. Purim is Shulish, right? Twenty twenty one for Yerushalayim, right? Three days for Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim. So that would be uh, wow. I'm I'm exhausted. We've just discussed it, but you know what's funny about these conversations, and I I, I want to point this out. I don't think we we usually do point it out. It, it is unbelievable how the subtleties of the calendar. Um, Give, give, you know, end up providing us with so many different options, with so many different, you know, tidbits of things that are going on. If the calendar, Absolutely. if the calendar, like you said, the calendar demands that that Rosh Hashanah start on a Shabbos, it's a much different type of Tishrei, and and obviously, I mean, Pesach, you know, quite obvious from both examples, whether it's Erev Shabbos or whether it's Wednesday night, like this year, 
Uh, you know, it, it, it calls for a different, you know, every year, ju- just w- how it falls out during the week, you know, dictates dictates whole, all whole, these differences. The it's, whole format of what goes on. And I mean, you, you mentioned, even this, I never even thought story. of the Yud, Yud Av Friday morning. That's, you know, that that's 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 brilliant, frankly. <laughs> right. Now, some other interesting things in, the, in this, this year, we had this really, this was my uh, Shabbos uh, Cholamayid Russia, yeah, and that is appreciate the mitzvah of Hashana Rabbah of Hashanas taking the Hashanas of the Aravas, especially this year, very very special, because the reason why the, the Milad of Tishrei this year was on Sunday morning, Erev Hashana, okay, and but but we couldn't have Hashana on Sunday because Le'adu Reish. Right. That's what Le'adu Reish means. Right. You, if 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 the Milad, which means the time of the new moon, occurs on Sunday, Wednesday, or Friday, we push off Rosh Hashana. To the next day. Right. So the reason why Rosh Hashanah can't be Wednesday, Friday, is Yom Kippur would be Friday, Sunday. It would be very complex to just imagine preparing for Shabbos with Yom Kippur on Friday. It would be it would be too difficult. So so they ensure that that doesn't happen. Right. But why can't Rosh Hashanah be on a on a on a um on a, on a Sunday? Is it Hashanah Rabbah? would be on a Shabbos. Now right. think about this: the whole Klal Yisrael, all of Klal Yisrael, everybody, all no matter where background, no matter. No matter how religious, no matter Sfari Ashkenazi, Chassid, everyone had the same calendar this year. And it, it, Rosh Hashanah was pushed off a day to Monday. And not only that, the whole year was pushed off because way back, way back in November of last year, we had a 30th day of Kiss Life. Just to, just to illustrate how far back that was. I'm sorry, 30th day of Cheshvan. That was two days after the midterm elections. Now I don't hear to talk politics. <laughs> I'm here just to tell you how just that was a long time ago. Almost twelve months. Right. It was a re- that was a real long time ago. Almost a year. Almost a year. Right. There was an extra day in Cheshvan. And the reason that extra thirtieth day, that extra day was there to ensure that Rosh Hashanah would fall out on Monday and not Tuesday. So the whole year was pushed off. Right? Your birthday, if it was during that period. No, and, mo- and, mo- and, Monday and, Monday and not Sunday. Monday, not Sunday, exactly. Yeah, right, you said and Monday, not Tuesday. Purim, Purim was on Thursday instead of Wednesday. And uh, Pesach was on Shabbos instead of Friday. And, and, and you go through the whole year for one reason, to make sure that we could take Hashanahs. Because, as I said, Shabbos morning, Hashanah Rabbah would be today, Shabbos. And we wouldn't be able to do this mitzvah. And you know what's going to happen? So, so Tyson asked an interesting question and says, one second, next year, Rosh Hashanah is on Shabbos, so right. we don't take Shaifer. So what's more important, uh-huh. Shaifer or Aravis? So how can we let Rosh Hashanah be on Shabbos and we, we skip the mitzvah of Shaifer, and yet Hashanah, which is just a minig neviim, it's a custom that comes from the days of the prophets, uh, the, which they instituted, there, oh, that we can't have. So Tyson asks this question, and he says something very profound, and that is he says, and, and you'll appreciate this, and any shul-goer will appreciate this, that if we skip Hashanah, people are going to forget it. You know what's going to happen next year? If we this year we didn't take Hashanah, next year we're going to come to, you know, that kid's going to come with his Hashanah to sell. And someone's going to stop at the door and say, by Uns is this Dominic, our custom is not to take Hashanah here because we didn't do it last year. Right. And it's going to be forgotten. So that we can't have. Shoifer, no one's ever going to forget. It's a Pasuk in the Chumash. It's a, it's a Mitzvah in the Torah. So it's very, so the whole calendar for everybody was, was a day, even today, we're a day ahead because because of that mitzvah Hashanah. So it really shows you the importance of, number one, Hashanah, and number two, really, any Drabonah. People, you know, Chazal, 
you know, as my father sometimes would quip, he would say, Chazal knew what they were talking about. You know, not that they need <laughs> mass gummer, right? <laughs> but that you, you, you appreciate Chazal, our rabbis, and how they instituted Jewish law you know, so with such perfection and precision. And they understood human human psychology. You, you appreciate that when you perform these mitzvahs. Amazing. Rabbi David Heber is with us talking about some calendaric trivia for 5780. Um, uh, we should discuss for a moment the uh, the the year is known as a male or chaser, right? It's, it, we, when we refer to that term, it's, it's referring to the calendar year, correct? Correct. In, so this year would be... Or or this is a shalim, which means there ah, are shalim, right? Right, shalim. There there are. It's also called mali. You know, the both both are mali. That right. means cheshvan and kislev are both thirty days. So those bachim going back to Shiva will note that the winter's month will be two days longer, right? Than if it had been a chaser, because you have those two extra days. Um, and and that you know we'll have that next year. Of course, will be a chaser. So you know, some years it's three choices: either chaser, both twenty nine, kesidron twenty nine and thirty. Or Shalem, which is which is both thirty. Now coming into um, you know talking about Kislev, right? We're gonna have we're gonna have the longest Brich Hamaz. This is this is really interesting. This is like a feast before the family. Oh, year. we're doing Shabbos Hanukkah with Rosh Chodesh. Shabbos Hanukkah Rosh Chodesh, two years in a row. Wow. Okay, two years in a row. It hasn't happened. Two years in a row since ninety four, ninety five. Wow. Fifty seven, fifty five, fifty seven, fifty six. Oh my gosh! Well, we're gonna be, um, we're gonna be davening up a storm this year. We're gonna have it. We're gonna have again. Listen to this. Okay, here we go. We're gonna have it in two. We're gonna have it again in um, um, in twenty twenty one. We're not gonna have it in twenty twenty. We'll have it twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty five, and then we're gonna have a fourteen year hiatus where it's not gonna happen. Wow. Um, it's not gonna happen for fourteen years after that. And again, is, and again, that generation will not will not realize that you could have Shabbos Chodesh Chodesh. Last time such a hiatus. With 1805 to 1819. Wow. So, but we don't have that. We'll talk about that. We need something for the show in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> we, can't, we can't waste it now. By the way, a, 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 speaking of trivia, I bet you I know something about 5780, Rabbi Heber, that even you haven't thought of. You ready for this one? Go ahead. This will be the year when you get the most shyless about how to light Hanukkah candles on the road. Because Hanukkah and Vacation Week in the United States coincide, and a lot of people, when they normally would be Hanukkah at home, some of them will take the option of using their vacation time to head to the road. And you're going to get a lot of questions about, am I obligated to light on the road if someone's lighting in my house? How do I light if the hotel doesn't oh, let me light, well, light my room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In the airport, yeah. Right? You know, it's, it's, uh, you're right. I get all these, uh, all, these, all these types of questions. People on the plane, that's the hardest. Right. Don't, don't try it. <laughs> that's we recommend. We recommend not trying. Right? <laughs> the official, the official Nachum Siegel show policy is do that. Exactly. Do not, do not try that. Yeah, it's kind of hard because you can't can't be yoyt with electricity. You know, you have to you have to light candles. There was a very interesting one. But someone who was by me, very 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 prominent person in my in my he was by my Ashkelon minion and uh, does a lot of great great work. He he was flying somewhere. I think maybe the last day and. Um, you know, he, he worked out, like, with an airport. Now, there's a question, can you light in the airport? Is it your muckum? But he made it his muckum. He might have had an outdoor. It might have been a California airport where they have an outdoor, and he arranged with the airport. I mean, yeah, you got to do all this in advance. You right. can't. And he, he was, you know, just, he didn't stop. You know, he persevered, and he was able to, 
to make some arrangement so that that uh, so you, you know, so you, you would, would you do things in advance. So you would not simply uh, you would not simply recommend to someone to to buy into someone's Hanukkah lighting and they'll take care of that obligation for you. You can't really buy. I mean, if you if you're on the road, totally. The, the issue is usually you're somewhere, but if you're totally on the road, I think they were flying out. You know, when you go overseas. That's the hardest because you're not. You know, you're you're in, you're in JFK or Dulles or wherever it is at, at two o'clock in the afternoon, and and, and then you're you're in Israel or wherever you're going the next morning if you if you're on a red eye, right? And then you don't you're not anywhere. Some say you get somebody in your house. You can't, you can't buy into just a regular person, but in your own house, someone could light on your behalf. That's right. that that this is a questionable. This is one should ask their own rub exactly. But when you're really stuck, um, you know that that could work if someone's at home. If the whole family goes, then you run into a you run into a you run into a problem. Also this year I appreciate the Erev Tavshilin that we're gonna do. We're gonna do it on Erev Pesach and Erev Shavuos. Right. And that's the last time um until until twenty twenty two. The last day called my Pesach of twenty twenty two. So we're gonna have close to a two year break of 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 no of no Erev Tavshilin again after this year. Um and that's so you know it's a nice mitzvah, beautiful mitzvah. We'll do it twice this year, and then take a little bit of a break. That's another thing to keep in mind uh, during this coming year. And to the person who I told yesterday in this office that we're not going to be off the parshios this year with Israel, you've just told me we are going to be off. We're going to be off uh, by Shavuos. Yeah. By Shavuos, right? Because second day interesting. I noticed this in preparation. I looked. Uh, I'll check the calendar. It, the week of Shavuos could be a three-day week for many because. It's going to be Monday's Memorial Day. Right. Friday is Friday is Shavuos. Right. So those planning, uh, you know, maybe if they could they have some vacation days. Right. They can, they can make a whole week. Maybe the perfect maybe the perfect time to head to Israel. And frankly, like Absolutely. I like I said, this is the year because everyone's holding two days, so it makes things a little bit more comfortable, you know. Right. Israel's a good place. Just Shabbos, you'll have to find a place that's going right. to uh, Actually, no. Shabbos, you'll be Yontif, and you'll come home. Right, and you know you you'll be, you won't have a problem if you're the other way. You're going to have the issue if you if you right. come from Israel to America. Right, you have that issue. Have I uh, have I given you my speech about um, how we should be uh, using the opportunity to to um, align the parshios with Israel as as fast as possible and not wait uh, for what did we wait for this year? Was it Matas Masse? What did we wait wait for this? It was year? Matas Masse. Right, Matas Masse. Right, right, right. Matas Masse. Oh, I got a whole share on now, that. Now, I know why we do it. I know we, I knew, I know we do it because yeah. of this obscure custom to make sure we read Dvarim before Tisha B'Av, which is, by the way, a, a Chutzlaretz-centric custom. It has nothing to do with Israel, because, you know, obviously, because in Israel... Well, Dvarim, I mean, that, that's really different. Dvarim was, Dvarim was, was going to be anyway before. That, that answer is about Matzmati versus Tyson and Megillus, talked about Matzmati versus Savayelach. Here, actually, a lot of that has to do with Eretz Yisrael. We want to lay Pinchas, the Karbonus, in the year, you know, during the three weeks, because we don't have the we don't have the base of Migdash. So, in place of that, in Eretz Yisrael this year, they didn't lay Pinchas during the three weeks. We we got to lay. We talk about the Kedusha Saaretz, you know, during the three weeks when we're you know when we feel the void, and we talk about the Karbanas, you know, the sacrifices, um, uh, you know, that's there. I, I have a great story for you on that Pinchas. Actually, I, I was thinking about this during our auction when they were auctioning off the Aliyas. This is there was a Rebbe named Pinchas. I don't remember which one. I don't recall, but he says, you know, when I'm at home, you know, you're you're home. When when I travel, like you know, a Rebbe travels, it's a you know, you're, 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 it's always like that. You know, like you're you're greeted, you get red right. red carpet carpet service. He says, I'm like Parshas Pinchas. When you're laying Parshas Pinchas, so they just lay it the Karbanas. 
But when they lay in the Karbanas, when it's a visitor, it goes for big money, right? on Rosh Hashanah, Mafti on Yom Kippur, Mafti on Sukkot Torah, right? Very good. It's the same Aliyah. It's the same. It's the same words. Very but yet good. When it's a visitor, isn't that a great? I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. I love it. Uh, Rabbi Heber, anything else about five seven eight zero? We covered it all. Uh, we covered all things. We'll definitely uh, definitely come up during the course of the year, and maybe we'll touch base again. But it's just, everyone should have a good, you know, a good New Year. And uh, how long does it take? How long does it take to read Kahelis in your synagogue? Um, I think about somewhere in the twenty-five minute range. I think. Do you know any? Do you know anybody in Chutz? Do you know anybody in that uses a cloth that reads it from parchment? We do. We read it from a cloth. Our, our Balkari read it from a cloth. And that means, and that means one or two brachas beforehand. No, so we don't. Make, we don't make brachas. The, the minigagrah is to make brachas before. So in Israel, where they follow the, the custom of the, of the Vilna Gain, they make brachas. There are places in America, like Yeshivas Chaim Berlin, for example, that follows the minigagrah. They make brachas before laning and they'd, Megillah. They'd say one or two. Do you know? I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. I would assume two, but I'm not sure. Right. Um, we, we, so we learn from a cloth, but our, we don't. You know, the regular meaning of Ashkenaz is not to go. Our shuldam is Ashkenaz, so we 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 don't learn. So Dr. Fall leader was Balkari did a did an excellent job, and uh, he learned from a cloth. You know, it's it's not an easy not an easy task. Um, I know. Believe you know, me, I know. It's not an easy task listening to the whole thing. <laughs> to do that, <laughs> I, I, you know, I used to teach. I used to teach. I love hearing everything. I used to teach the Megillus. Actually, in seminary here, in uh, in our seminary, don't you find just, don't uh, you find Kahelis impossible to teach? It's like it's like you know. No, no, I, I didn't teach it straight. I taught. I, it's it's now called Wit Seminary. It used to be called Malot, and I used to I used to enjoy very much. It was actually a highlighting of Shirashirim Kahelis and Echa. So I got to pick I got to pick the psukim that uh. I wanted to pick. Pretty much, you know, it was more of a survey and going through some of the lessons of of these very beautiful Megillus. Right. Um, I learned Kahelis from my daughter. Was a was a was a, was a little baby. I know she's married now, and uh, husband's in the Kyle in Tel Chicago, and we're, we're my, my old alma mater. And um, he and when she was a little baby, I was telling us when she was a little baby, she was up in the middle of the night, and I, you know, I used to try to get her to sleep. So I, it was a winter, it was a cold winter, and uh, I used to try to rock her to sleep. And I pulled out the art school Kahelis and went through it. It's beautiful. It's really nice, uh, nice light middle of the night learning. So that was my first time I ever went through it. So that's an antidote for insomnia, you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to stay away. No, unless I was teaching it to her. I she wasn't going to sleep. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you have it. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of inside uh, inside tips here from Rabbi Heber about about some of the things that go on uh, during our calendaric year. And it's interesting you cho- you chose uh, Shira Shirim and Kahelis. Was there a third? What, what did you say? You, you so see, the, no, this, the question was also echa. Oh, and echa. That's a whole different lima. That's really a whole different. Right. When uh, when most would say that the that the two most interesting megillas are Esther and Rus, and you went and you went ahead and you chose uh, the more chose obscure ones. Now, I actually now teach. I, I'll mention this. this is a, I teach megillas Esther now in seminary. Every Thursday is Purim and and in, in the Shirum. It's just great. Every it's Thursday, funny. It's except funny. I don't start yet today. Instead, I'm on the Nachum Single Show. But otherwise, I would be starting at eight twenty next Thursday. And it's, the seminary, and it's wonderful. It's a, such a preparation. You come to Purim after learning week after week, 
after a week of of Miguel Sester, you know, in, we learn it, you know, with all the various, you know, lessons and the Mamar Chazal, and it's, it's just beautiful. I love. I I start the year by saying Agans Purim, right? And every you know, as the song used to go, Agans Yarpurim, Agans Purim. and uh, we we you know the whole year is like Purim, and we just go through the. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And guess what I do in class? You're going to laugh. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm saying this in public here. My classroom knows this. You bring a grocker. We have a countdown. No, no, we have oh, a countdown. Every Purim. week I put on the board, how many weeks to Purim? <laughs> how many the, weeks to Purim? The, the, the balabusters are going to get you if you add four weeks for Pesach. They're going to yeah. really get it. It was Thursday. <laughs> last couple of years was Thursday. It was great because I said, you know, 15 weeks from today and right. 14 weeks from today. <laughs> now it's it's got to be from Tuesday, you know, whatever. It's funny we'll, you we'll mentioned it out. It's funny you mentioned about Purim year-round. Erica Brown was a guest of mine recently. She's writing a book about uh, about Esther, which is coming out before Purim, and I said to her, boy, you know, you're lucky because you get to be obsessed with Esther and Purim all year round. When Rabbi Weinrib uh, did the book on Echa and Kinnis, I said to him, it must be awful. It must be awful you're doing Kinnis all year. And I mean, she appreciated that. I'm sure you appreciate that. And you'd rather be absolutely. concentrating on Purim all year than on Kinnis oh, yeah. all year round. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Anyway, um, continued Hatzlacha. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a wonderful, a wonderful 5780. Uh, a wonderful Tavshin day. You family, and we should hear, uh, it should be a Shnas HaGeula. Today, Shnas Freilich. Yeah, that's it should a good be a happy one. year, and it should be a year of, of, of Geula. How about Parnasa? Today, Shnas yeah. Parnasa Tova. Parnasa, yes, absolutely. Hey. Thank you, Rabbi Heber, and thanks so much for joining us. Take care. And thanks for all the time. My gosh, Rabbi Heber gave us a lot of time this morning. Rabbi David Heber is Kashrus Administrator at the Star K. He's Rabbi of Congregation Kahal Avas Yisrael Tzemach Tzedek down in Baltimore, Maryland. And he's, of course, most well-known for being the calendaric consultant for us here at JM in the AM. And, boy, he gave us a lot of material today about the year 5780 and about uh, a lot of other things. Uh, that are coming up on the calendar in the next uh, couple of years. A lot to uh, a lot to digest in terms of the Jewish calendar, and I thank him very, very much. That was my conversation with Rabbi David Heber about calendaric trivia for the year five seven eight zero. That wraps up this edition of JM Rewind. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. <music>
שבדיכאון תצחיקי אותי אם אני בוכה אחת שתאהב אותי זה כל מה שרוצה שיגמר העולם הזה פוסטקים על 